0: Welcome to an In the Works audio feature. I'm Kristen, VP of Brand at Help Scout, the company behind In the Works. My guest this issue is Karen Young, the founder of We the People, a body care brand that's committed to the reconstitution of beauty. Karen, thank you so much for joining us. We're excited to talk to you about your story and how you launched We the People. And I'd love to just start by hearing how everything started for you. Um, where'd you get the idea for the company? And what made you go for it? Yeah, for sure. So I'm.
1: I, first of all, I'm super happy to be here. I know it took us a, a minute to schedule this, but really excited. Um, and I, I, I just want to preface for your listeners. You and I are friends, so this this might get nice and juicy. Um, <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I am. Um, you know, I've got a background in fashion and beauty. I spent uh, over a decade, um, you know, really building mostly Italian and like contemporary luxury fashion brands um and i started one business when i experienced like my first real economic downturn as an adult um you know, I was in my, I'm just going to give it all away now. I was in my twenties and (laughs) I was just like, listen, why don't I just go for it? Try something new. Um, had great success with that business, but it was really, it was really tough. Um, first time out running a company, trying to build something from scratch, you know, not very many resources. Um, and, I got, as I was thinking about shutting that down, I got an opportunity actually, uh, to work for Estee Lauder and, you know, a company that size, so well known first foray into beauty for me. Um, that was definitely like a really generous offer and one that doesn't come around very often to kind of walk into the doors of a company that size. And so I, I took it, I jumped at the at the opportunity. Um, I spent about four years there cause I am forever an entrepreneur. You just once that hat is on, like, I don't think you ever take it off. And, you know, I was running around the halls of, of Estee Lauder being like, I think we should do this. <laughs> I'd like to implement that. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, that's cute. Um, you know, it's just, it, 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 it takes so much work to, um, to make impact uh, at a company of that size when you're sort of coming in with this very scrappy sort of entrepreneurial mindset. And so when I saw an opening in the market, which for me was product and positioning. That was a razor um, and you know, product. And the positioning was a more luxurious and thoughtful, well-crafted experience for women that I saw reflected everywhere from lipstick to mascara and definitely skincare, but not anything really addressing the body. And so that was the first way for us to really start digging in and and building that conversation. Um, and launched We The People um, after I left Lauder, officially late 2017. and um, just really have grown it from there um, and our perspective is really bringing the sense of inclusivity, um, and you know, an ability to see people really, um, truly, and, and more of a, a dynamic and thoughtful and culturally driven perspective to body care, which is very easy to just kind of say, "Oh, just use a cream," um, or you know, mm-hmm. just just uh, use a body oil. But it, it kind of isn't that when you when you really dial down to the nuances. Um, of it. None of it is as simple as, as we think it's never a cream. It's, it's always confidence, you know?
0: And I, I want to start, if we, if we think about the introduction of the razor and we think about, um, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with entrepreneurs for this around, um, how your identity impacts the product, not only the product that you're creating, but also the product story that you tell to the market. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, what I know of how the razor and how you researched what the razor and how the shaving experience specifically for women had been so informed by um, ads from a very small number of companies for decades. And I'm just Mm -hmm. curious for you to share kind of how your experience as a woman, what you actually need um, from that product informed what you decided to offer. Yeah,
1: so there were there were two ways that I really thought about it and and I will forever um you know go back to the fact that I'm a psychology student forever curious about humans and our experience and and what actually really drives us to to purchase. Um but the first thing was I just was not getting a good shape. I was not ex- having a good product and skin experience. Um any from the day I picked up a razor as a preteen, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know, I was like covered in razor burn um, ingrown hairs. And basically, you know, the response that I think we've been taught as women around, well, let's just say that particular experience, but we could certainly stretch it out from there, right? Um, but that that response is just like yeah, you know, that's what you get. That's that's what you got. That's that's all there is to it. So, you know, figure it out. No pain, no gain, right? Um and so I just spent decades going, okay, no pain, no gain, but it was painful. Um and I gained nothing from it. So, uh in general, it was just an experience that felt lacking. Um and I remember Very concretely, right before we, we, the people like kind of sprung to mind and I was like, what if I were crazy enough to try this? Um, I literally remember being in the shower going, this absolutely sucks. Like, this is just not good. (laughs) And by then I had, you know, i had been working for a company where I could literally like go down to the company store or walk two blocks to Sephora and, I had like every choice that I could possibly think of for, you know, a mascara or a lipstick or something. And I would go to Dwayne Reed or CVS and I had maybe two choices for Mm -hmm. a razor. And it was either like more blades or more more blades. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. And the way that it was spoken about, it was just like landing a plane or something. And I was just like, you are just like, just moving by me, like left and right. Nothing is actually touching me emotionally and nothing is actually talking about solving the issues that I experienced, which were affecting how I felt in my skin and how I showed up in the world every day. And so that then, you know, started nagging a little bit more. And I I thought, well, you know, if I'm going to do this, like we're going to challenge the form factor, um, but i also want to challenge the conversation because there's a couple of things that i'm seeing here one i'm being ignored when i you know i so i started like looking at like ads more clearly when i saw like ads being advertised for razors
0: and The long legs, like, very very thin, long legs everywhere, right? On a beach. You always shave to go to a beach, right?
1: Always on a beach. And I think I remember very clearly the woman who was riding the, like, unicorn or something down the beach Uh with the (laughs) silk trailing after her. And I was like, yeah, no, that's just not, that's that's not my life. Um, Uh Some of my favorites were the... um, the one where she stepped out from behind the bush that was trimmed.
0: And uh-huh. I was just yep. like, yeah, I know yep, I, yes, it's playing back in my in my <laughs> head as well. Um and so I got curious, you know,
1: your reference early to earlier to really digging in. I just started looking back at, at those ads, um, you know, backwards and to you know, to today. And it was just like, one, you're saying the same thing. Um so it is a Uh, Caucasian thin long leg you know beauty um, who shaves and and who deserves this experience and um, there's like no one else in there you know what I mean and and also we're not necessarily even speaking to like why does she have ingrowns I don't understand like (laughs) because I do you know does she get also we never saw her
0: remove hair Right? right. We never saw right. her remove hair in the ads yeah. either. It was right. like she right. was because shaving she was a and goddess. shaved leg. Yes. Right. Yeah.
1: Like she was a goddess. We know that. Right. Because that's what they said. Right. Like you are a that's goddess right. if this is what you do. And uh, undertone, undertone. This is how you're lovable. Undertone, undertone. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just like it was loaded. Um, There's a lot of things that were being said. Um, that were exclusionary and that just weren't very thoughtful and just were not reflecting everyday experience. You and I have uh, little boys very close in age. And, girl, I like a whole year passed before I picked up
0: a razor. I was like, can't be bothered. I got to go breastfeed. Things to do. Sorry. That's life. And I can't reach all these things. Like, I think what, (laughs) what is interesting, too, where you when you're talking about like beauty it's like inherently intimate it's an inherently intimate space in everybody's um i feel like everyone's experience with beauty products is so unique because all of our skin is unique like we can fit into overlapping challenges that we might have when it comes to what what i need from a beauty product and what you need for a beauty product we all need sunscreen for example right like yeah. um but it's like what the texture is. It's so deeply personal. And I feel like thinking about how you start to innovate in a space and bring something new to a table, it has to be so personal. Like the work you're doing is incredibly personal. And then the product that you create, the product suite that you create is so personal to every one of your customers. How do you stay grounded within that reality?
1: Yeah. uh, I, we stay grounded by, speaking and connecting directly with them. Um, so one of the things that I'm, I'm really proud of is that, um, our product roadmap is informed by the conversations that we've had with our customers. Um, and so, you know, whether through reviews, whether through emails that they're sending, whether through, um, comments, uh, on, on social or direct, uh, survey and conversations that we're having, um, what I try to do is I don't necessarily put people on the spot and say, what do you want because um i find that A lot of times, like our wants are just so varied, right? And a lot of times someone will go, I love this brand. Like what's, that's the advantage of being early scale, right? Early stage is that um, you get people who are very, very deeply connected to the brand and the founder and the experience. Um, And so they'll they'll kind of go, anything that you make will be great. Um, But that doesn't really help us from a market perspective. And so what we try to do is get close to, um what they're trying to accomplish and where they are in their lives and what matters the most to them. Um, and then we inform the product roadmap from there. And so to give you a sense, some of the things that we have coming um later this year and into 2023 are really thoughtful moisturizers, for example, um, that target um some of the severe like dehydration and dry skin experience that like so many people, um, so many people suffer from, but, uh, we've really like tried to think about it from all the the different demographics that we, that we hit in terms of our audience and what their lives are like and what they're looking for. Um, and then we back into the formulation and the product um, from those needs and one of the things that i'm super excited about is that we're actually going to be um, taking a, a database of those like very connected customers and moving them into um, like a channel where we have more interaction more connection with them they get to try new products early um, they get to inform the the roadmap and really have a deeper more thoughtful connection with the brand
0: I want to go back. Um, We were talking a little bit about the experiences that you were having when you were considering a a host of beauty products not not meeting your needs, the experience (laughs) shaving not, not meeting your needs, not being sold to you in a realistic way either. How much did you, when you kind of went out there with your product and said, like, we're going to do this differently, we're going to offer a different type of razor, we're going to market to women in a more realistic way in terms of Mm -hmm. what part of your life experience can we shape differently? um, How much did you have to, like, validate or kind of champion that your experience was more common, Um, Mm -hmm. that you, like, that you were having an experience that was subpar and that that was worth changing. It feels like the powers that be might've needed to be educated on that reality. Was that the case?
1: It actually wasn't. And I I honestly think that is actually part of the beauty of when we launched that we just went direct to consumer. We just had this, there was no, um, there was no channel to get around. There was, there were no powers that be as you, you know, you mentioned to, to get around. We didn't, we didn't do retail distribution first and foremost. We went direct to consumer. We kicked off that conversation, um, with bloggers and real people and, and, um, influencers and just a a customer database that was like immediately you turn on Instagram and, you know, not overnight, but, you know, immediately in a sense, you get to start building that conversation. And um, the validation came very quickly because I felt and and saw and still do that people were just being overlooked. Um, And what we got was, holy shit, like, I thought that, oh, excuse my language. I didn't know if I could curse or not. (laughs) Oh, you can curse here. Okay, good, good, good. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I was like, holy shit. No one ever told me that, that I didn't have to suffer. No one ever told me that I didn't have to, you know, kind of just deal with ingrown hairs, or I didn't have to feel this way. Um, and I didn't have to have this really terrible experience. And so, you know, the brand has won over 10 major beauty awards, um, since launching. And I believe that has so much to do with it. Um, you know, well, obviously we got a, a few other things, right. Including formulations and a really beautiful design, but, um, yeah, so much I, I I really think had to do with um, having a conversation that was being completely overlooked for women. And, you know, one of the things that I am really taking a lot of joy in in building body care is that um, the body is an inherently easily <laughs> political landscape, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, lots of opinions, lots of uh Rulings, Krofkoff, Rulness versus Wade Overturned. Um, And we see that ricocheting through so many elements of our lives and beauty and skincare just happens to be one of them. And I think when you tell people that, you know, I see you, I I see you, I hear you, let's do something about it. Um, I think that is truly transformative for for a brand. And so we don't operate in, in a, a silo and we don't have too many hurdles to jump just yet. Um, and I'm, I'm really hoping to keep that as a, a core sort of function and focus for the brand as we scale.
0: I feel like another part of your story has to do with timing. We talked a little bit about, you know, the direct to consumer market was ripe when you launched. Um, and so you were able to. Uh, just sell that product directly to people that you found in the community that you built. I think another thing that is interesting as we think about identity and how identity can drive your business forward is 2020. You're a Black woman (laughs) um, who has a Black-owned company, right? A woman-owned company. And I feel like this, I don't want to call it a sea change because we're still very much underrepresented when it comes to the offerings that we have across different industries, um, but there has been motion movement and lift that has happened uh, for women-owned businesses and uh, Black-owned businesses since 2020. Like, What was it like to be leading a company that seemingly got this, this forward momentum or interest overnight? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and, and raising a kid. (laughs) Um, it was, it was a really emotionally intense experience. Um, you know, there was one element where I was just incredibly grateful, um, for just being seen by so many people, um, almost overnight, actually overnight. Yes. Um, and really seeing the business validated for the perspective that we had always had for the quality um, and for the voice and for the creative and the mission that we'd always been driving forward and i was also trying to grapple with imagine you know you come home i i would i would, I would come home or you know what, what does come home mean in this day of, of, of working virtually, but I would come lock back off. to my space. Yeah, yes. exactly. I would yes. lock off. Um, after having a day of answering a barrage of emails um, about what it was like to be a black founder or sort of whatever kind of key call-outs that everyone sort of needed answered overnight. Um, and I would... I, I live not far from Barclay Center, which a lot of the, um, which was the, the starting point for a lot of the protests. And I would step out and just hear marching through the street and the sound of drums, like bang, 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 Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. And I remember turning to my husband one day and I was like, I had like shivers down my, my spine and I said, These people are out here championing the fact that my life matters. So the conversation we're really having is somewhere in the world, there is a belief that's deeply rooted enough that I don't matter because of the color of my skin, that it has swelled into the most the largest civic uprising we've ever seen and certainly i've ever seen and, and been a part of all while my business is blossoming and i'm trying to find the space to manage both of those things at the same time there was guilt because someone lost his life in the most horrific of fashions in a way that everyone was privy to. There was a part of it that was so horrific that it feels like it should have been private, but it actually couldn't be. Not only because of the the day and age that we're in, but because we wouldn't be here if it were. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I'm trying to balance that from a very human perspective. I'm trying to balance the fact that there are people out in the street sort of championing the fact that I, I or anyone who looks like me, never deserves to be in that sort of position again, and that I need to be seen and treated as human and worthy and valuable. Um, and then I've got this business that's running and churning. And after a while, I just had to be very ruthless in, what op- what opportunities I took and trying to find the space to say a little bit more of of the honesty and, and the truth of what was going on with 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 me as an individual experiencing this, um, and I'll tell you, Kristen, there were a lot of there was a lot of bullshit in my inbox, like people who had overnight been given the direction of reach out to as many black people as you can. And ask them, you know, like, like, oh, yeah. and ask them, like, yeah, how, how, how were you, um, yeah, how, how, uh, how long has your business been around, and you know, um, uh, yes. how are you celebrating blackness, and it's just like. I', I I'm, I'm not celebrating blackness right now. My, my business has been around so long that um, you've heard of it many times. We have reached out to you many times. Me, you' my PR person. Um, and 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 now Nothing because you until you know, now.. Yeah, yeah, now because you've got an article to write.
0: I think that's incredibly frustrating. And, you know, it's something that we're very conscious of when we think about in the works, when we think about all the content that we make at Health Scout, partially because of the team that we have, right? The team that I lead as a Black woman, where it's like Black History Month comes up and there's a host of software companies and, you know, name whatever company that wants to highlight Black leaders or highlight Black companies. And it's like, or you could just highlight them throughout the year. Do it all the time. Like for being great leaders, for building great businesses, not building great businesses as a black person. Right. Um, And I, it's just I I appreciate you sharing this experience, particularly um, about that trajectory changing for We The People at a time that it was harder to be present within work um, because you're just like constantly spiraling about existence so how do i even get into like the work what i'm talking about my existence being questioned um and as someone that was working at a company at the time i just checked out right it wasn't like this touchstone moment for my my career in the same way so i i'd never thought about that perspective and just i appreciate you sharing that and, and being vulnerable with us for that um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> another layer of this is the story of uh, not just women. Women aren't the only people that shave their bodies, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I and I feel like that that's another part of beauty that like where identity starts to come come to a head in terms of who are we selling to? And inclusivity, mm-hmm. I think, body inclusivity um, has increased and improved in the beauty industry, but it's something that I feel like major brands are now being so much more conscious of. Um, I think your company has been positioned from the start to be really inclusive. And I'm just curious, like how, you know, we only hold so many identities within ourselves, whether that's um, our race, ethnicity, our gender expression. How do you create that inclusive business um, for other people? Yeah. without, you know, in an authentic way when it's not. Yeah. Their story is not your story. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, one of my my dreams is to create... Um, is to, to evolve we the people into a, a platform almost of sorts. So there's a, there's a product element, there's an experience element, um, but also to create a platform. And we've started doing it on, on social, um, but my, my dream is to like really fold it into the, the company as a part of our mission um, to give the space over to other people um, and allow their voices to be heard and their stories to be told, um, and I'm super excited about that. We're sort of at the beginning of um, that journey now. We're we're we just closed the seed round of, of funding a few months ago, um, our first major seed round of funding, and you know my role now is to build out the team, and I've have to be very very cognizant of making space on that team for that breadth of diversity that is Mm -hmm. beyond skin color you know as you mentioned gender expression and identity um if we don't have that internally we are never going to tell that story we are going to continue telling the same story that every brand before us has told and I'm never going to get across how important it is unless I'm talking to people and unless I'm folding people into the, the story and the, the history and the company's trajectory that understand the importance of that story and can help me to tell it and can, and can see from that same position of empathy that what we're really trying to do, you know, through the building and selling and marketing of products is give overlooked people a voice. Um, my own history, you know, as a, a black woman, born in Brooklyn, you know, but raised in South America, Guyana, where my family was, was from, you know, raised both Catholic and Hindu, um, and sort of really this, like, third world slash developing world, you know, experience of, of living and then coming to Brooklyn and then having this like deeply rooted and rich, you know, flatbush Caribbean, you know, experience. Um, and then that of going into like mostly, you know, um, white sort of uh, standardized kind of education all the way from, you know, my first... For, for schooling, but definitely from high school, high school onward to, to college, means that I've, I've always been in flux in the world, you know? And I, I think that's something that's like really incredible about being in the skin that, that we're in. Kind of always had to figure out how to fluctuate a little bit, and at times that even meant um, pulling back so that you can observe um, the world and, and your surroundings from a safe space. Uh, and so I always carry this deeply rooted sense of empathy for that, but I will never say that I know what it's like to live in you know, the skin of someone who wants to transition and like that the, the emotional you know, weight that that must be. It's not something that I've ever experienced and I can't tell that story. So my job is to uh, carve out the space so that they can tell the story and to throw up a middle finger to anyone who doesn't want to hear it.
0: That's right. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I just, I I think that there comes a point in time when thinking about how to move businesses forward, that you have to, you have to recognize that your own storytelling can only go so far. And that if you, if you truly want to, build an inclusive company and offer inclusive products. It's about leadership being reflective of the people you want to serve. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that you're you're building a business exactly in that way. And you compare that to many of your competitors who have been around for centuries <laughs> that have to yeah. unpack um, you know, systemic issues <laughs> that have, have plagued our our society for that long in order to create that space in leadership, right? And so I I often find it uh, refreshing to work with companies that are like, you know, started in the last 10, 15 years because that context had already started to shift and change um, Comparatively, there's there's obviously people aren't perfect, but I do think that just knowing that when you come of age as a business in the 2020s, like Mm -hmm. you got different things that need to be true uh, of your leadership, of your team, um, and and the safety that you create within your products and and ads and um, positioning, all of it.
1: Yeah, Um, and, and, and I will also say it is one of, it's probably the most challenging thing that I'm experiencing right now holding on to that ethos you know when we're looking to build and scale the team in particular because you're not at that point you're not even just interviewing for a set of skills you're also interviewing and and building a team from um I, I guess empathy you know I, I do think a lot about the term empathy from this sense of like understanding, um, empathizing other cultures and and knowing how to leave room um, for people to to develop as well and, and how to leave room for people to have a voice as well. Truly, truly the hardest thing that I've done to date. Other than fundraising, that was hard.
0: <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. So we have time for a, a few more kind of quick questions. Um, and I did want to ask you about fundraising. I'm curious how the story of the business that you have and like uh, the people that you serve, w- what your vision for changing the beauty industry is, how that impacts the story that you tell to to funders and does that get them excited? Did you feel like you had to do a lot of convincing? Where, how did that fall out for you?
1: Um, you know, what I found was that, especially at this early stage, um, they're like that story of building building the first like truly culturally definitive um, brand is what got people excited. Um, but I'll say, you know, just for the, the sake of the folks who are, are listening, um, because I don't think enough people talk about the Downfalls in in fundraising and the many 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 face plants that happen on the way to that lead investor. <laughs> um, you know, I I have such uh, like a blue collar worker background. You know, that Caribbean. You know, came to this country. Kind of hid out in the corners and fought your way tooth and nail, you know, uh, raised by a single mother, might not have had enough to eat on the table many days. And, you know, that sort of struggle, which certainly informs my desire to be successful But some of the ways that it actually challenged me in fundraising was that I consistently told this story of this person who was like scratching tooth and nail to move up and out um, and not necessarily the inspiring story of what the brand could have been. And I had to really, really struggle with that um, and sort of fight my own demons quite a lot um and then you go out and you know investor different investors want to hear different things truly the investors that are going to have your back are the ones who are like listen you're you're building something really big this is a yes this is a billion dollar opportunity and it's going to take a minute for you to to get it right um those are the ones who pretty much came on immediately and and have been some of the best partners that I could ask for. Um, and then there there are others who are just like, "Yep, what's that AOV? What's that cap? What's that LTV? Like, let's get those numbers in. Let me dig in. Acronym um, soup. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And and just like really didn't see um, much else. And so. You you get both out there, and and the the investors that that win for me and anyone honestly at this stage are
0: the ones who who see the vision with you. Um, last question that I'm going to ask you is a meaty one. Mm. How has motherhood changed your business?
1: <laughs> oh my. Um, hmm that is a really good one i thought all the others were meaty then you went and threw that one at me (laughs) i know i know but i feel like this
0: one's the in my own like across all of them this is the one for me personally yeah
1: um you know i think it has changed me um and and as a result the business but i think it has changed me um in that i just really really have to be ruthless with my time now, um, and I don't think I have a lot of room for um, for things just not working out, you know what I mean? Like I think that it has really brought the feeling and the desire for success closer um, in in such a way that like, you just have such a limited amount of time uh, and energy, emotional and physical, to put towards a goal, um, and I think that it has actually made me even more. It's it's made me like a lot less tolerant. I think for for just you know just yeah I don't I don't really have a lot of room for excuses anymore myself or or anyone else. Um, so I kind of feel like that is the biggest impact, and then sort of ricocheted out from that. You know, we are a company that is, um, you know, at, at the at the background and at the root of any any beauty company is is wellness, and or should be anyway. Um, and because I have a very specific time now that I shut off, you know, um, I I'll come back to work, but like. I have a very specific cutoff where I need to go and, you know, we have dinner and bath and bedtime and everything. And um, I've been really, um, really attuned to, like, making sure that I sustain those moments and that they're, like, at the top of my my to-do list every day. Um, and I think it has made me kind of be like, you know my employees need to have that element as well for themselves. Um, and so I just really try to make sure that that everyone has that and the ability to kind of carve that out, which is easier now that, um, you know, everyone is is remote. But I love when they're they're like, yeah, I went for a run yesterday or I went and did this or that because I'm like, that's important. It means that you show up differently, you know, the, the next day when you've that's had right. that time
0: for yourself. So, yeah. If only we could add a couple of waking hours <laughs> for me time uh, Ooh, to the day. I just started working out again, and I'm like... Oh, good for you. I just was talking to one of my friends who um, had a baby like a month after me, and she said she went for a run for the first time last week. I feel like it's such a moment when you go back. It is, when you it go is, back yeah. Where can we find you on social media and where can we learn more about We the People?
1: Yeah, so please visit us at weThepeople.com. Um, we do we do love away with words at this company, and so that's O-U-I. French O U I the people.com. and same for Instagram. That's, that's usually where we're having the most fun. We're just building up TikTok, So if there's anyone who is a master at TikTok and listening to this come through, we are looking for a community manager. We've got a number of roles open. Um, yeah, take your shot, please. I want to hear
0: from you. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, Karen. I'm so glad that we got to have this chat and hear all of your wisdom and insight.
1: Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. Thank you.